Well, welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. Exclusively now, part of the SEU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University, and excited to introduce our co-host for today's show, former Congressman Dennis Ross and Scott Franklin, who is currently in the running for Congress here in the 15th Congressional District. Excited to welcome you both you. to the show today. Glad that you could be with us. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Engel. You know, it's an honor to have you both with us for the show. And, and today's episode, I, 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 I want to talk about the importance because this is such an important issue uh, today, especially in our nation, uh, civic engagement, people's voice being heard, people's voice matters, and we have to um, inspire, empower people to give their voice and to not uh, stand back. And I know both of you would agree that it is an America, uh, it's it's Americans' responsibility to be involved with the issues uh, that matter in our nation, in our country, as we are living in extremely polarizing uh, times right now in the political climate. I want to ask you both your motivation uh, for pursuing a public office uh, and what that is, uh, how it's important to you, the value of that and and what you believe you you would bring to that process to uh, to make a difference, both of you be you you when you ran and and that you, got and it. you know I I go back to when I was a kid when I was in, in growing up here in Lakeland I uh, got involved in a um, the first Earth Day uh, believe it or not and and I went to the mayor's office and made a presentation about how we needed to be able to do better with some of our lakes and and and, and some of the parks here and they took it to heart and I realized that going through the process you can effectuate change and then I realized that really that's the responsibility for all of us in a, right. in a nation that's founded on self-government that we and, and at an early age I realized that you could have an, a, a difference with an individual initiative and as I became older as I got more involved in politics it became more crystal clear that that you impact lives and there are fewer people starting to do this which makes it more essential that we have good people doing this yeah Scott, what about you? As you've made this decision now to to step in and and to run for for this uh, seat, well, like Congressman Ross, I've, I feel my whole life I've been called in some way to serve, and uh, for me, that first chapter was serving in the military, and I, it was the greatest privilege of my life, and it really afforded me the opportunity to experience our culture from the through the eyes of others around the world, and it really gave me appreciation for what all we're blessed with here. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've always subscribed to the mantra, if not me, then who? And yeah, uh, it's, it's critically important. Okay. Yeah, and you have, uh, you've served uh, this uh, community well. You're co currently a commissioner, and we're grateful for your leadership. Um, Scott, I want to talk to you for a minute about your career leading into politics, which you have mentioned. Uh, you spent, uh, what, what, about 26 years? Um, 26 years. Yeah, about. in, in mm -hmm. the United States Navy. During your 26-year career, you traveled all throughout the world serving faithfully. Um, and uh, when you retired from the Navy, you came home to start your own small business. Since you are um, no stranger to private enterprise, how has your political position been affected by your experiences as both a veteran, but also as a business owner? Well, I've always believed that conservative principles uh, do the most over the long run to lift people up out of their conditions. And I've seen that in other countries. I've seen countries who were at different stages of implementing democracy. I've seen other countries that didn't have it at all. And I know that that's the right path for us. And I've just felt called to, to serve in that capacity here. Yeah. What? Uh, why should other business, as a business owner, why should other business owners engage in, in the civic process, and what's the value of that? 
Well, it's interesting. When I go back to my decision to run for city commission, I would find myself sitting around with a lot of my peers complaining about things that we didn't like. And at the end, people would say, but who in their right mind would want to do that? And we all get busy doing our things and, and, and feel that someone else out there is going to be carrying the load. And, um, and that's not always the case. And when we start to see races go without uh, you know, a strong field of candidates to come in and try to compete for those, then I, th I think that's, uh, that's a dangerous path. Yeah. And, and actually, I'd like to ask that question to you as well, Dennis. Why, sh why should business owners really jump into the process? Uh, several reasons. One, uh, if they want to have a good consumer base in which they can have good customers, they would want them to be engaged in the process. Uh, businesses are uh, absolutely uh, connected to relationships. And one of the things that I've noticed is that those businesses that are more in tune to their community uh, by building relationships, supporting programs, uh, whether it be a, a nonprofit, whether it be a school, whether it be a hospital, those businesses do so much better, uh, not only in their bottom line, but just in the, the, the retention of employees and the pride that those employees take in that business because they know they partner with that community. Corporate citizenship is just as important as individual citizenship. Yeah. Now, the pandemic um, has really struck the small business community. There's no, no doubt about it. Uh, in both of your opinions, what kind of legislation do we need right now to favor small business owners and help them grow and thrive past this, uh, this pandemic? Well, as a, as a lawyer, uh, I will tell you one of the things that concerns me is going to be the, the, the threat of lawsuits for liability right. from, from contracting COVID that would absolutely cripple a, a strong recovery in this economy. And I think until we know more about this virus, I think you know we have to focus on, of course, safety and, and welfare of each individual. But we also have to understand that the economic engines cannot be shut down. And we need to be able to support and promote uh, the wheels of commerce to start getting back together so that people can make a living and, and become productive again. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens both in Congress and in our state legislature with new laws that are going to be proposed uh, that, that concern themselves with uh, the impact of COVID. Yeah. Scott? Well, just to add to that, as we saw in the in the first waves of the COVID relief, a lot of small businesses, you know, those those uh, business owners are the ones opening the doors in the morning, closing at night right. and doing the books. And, right. and there was a lot of... Um, a lot of detail to get through to understand how the programs work. So I've, I've been pleased to see how we've ramped up our education efforts around how to get these, get the funds into the hands of the people that need them most, because it's those small businesses that are they're the most vulnerable. Yeah, and 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 to follow up, uh, Scott, talk to us a little bit about uh, about the city of Lakeland's approach to this pandemic. How we've you know how we have been working to protect uh, our small business owners here in in Central Florida and in this community. Well, we've, um, well, we start with city staff. You know, the city of Lakeland is one of the largest employers, but because we have so many different uh, facets to the city of Lakeland organization, uh, taking care of our city staff uh, in, in areas where they were not able to work with face-to-face uh, -face with customers, we found places where we could get them realigned and, and, uh, and all, you know, thankfully gainfully employed. And, um, and just reaching out through communication programs, working with the chamber and other different groups to try to promote the information that we, we could see coming down through the government, make sure it was getting into the right hands. Yeah. Uh, before we take a, a, a first break here, Dennis, I want to talk to you about the ACPL, which yes. you have brought uh, 
amazing leadership too. And Thank we you. are, you're a gift to this community. You're, you're a gift to this kind. university and to our students. Uh, you're, you're working with uh, up and coming college students that absolutely want to pursue positions in public office. They do have a passion to make a difference and they want to be solutions to the issues and the challenges that we're facing. As you're teaching and navigating this education process, what, what is different about the upcoming generation of, of political science students that you're seeing, that you're observing as you spend time with them? Well, the, probably the most uh, impactful uh, response I've seen is that once they're exposed to real-life political leaders, they, they understand that they're no different than them, and they have this passion now to want to become more like them and get involved in this process. When we took students to Washington, D.C., we sat with um, uh, Secretary Carson, who is the uh, Dr. Carson, who heads up the HUD, Housing and Urban Development, and to see the response when they realize that this is a man who came out of abject poverty, poverty with an illiterate mother who who disciplined them, and he becomes the chief of neurology or nurse, pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins. They also have these opportunities, and what I've seen is is that they they come into class because they want to be in class, but then all of a sudden they, they understand that politics permeates every aspect of life, every sector of every occupation, right. and that they know that they can be those people that make that positive influence. And they also know that they that we have to have those people. It's refreshing to see that. Yeah. And and, and Scott, as a, as a father, I mean, you, you have seen this next generation think about the political arena and, and what they, you know, uh, have focus on. How how is your family navigated discussing the political issues that that are facing us in in, in our country today? Well, they make for interesting conversations. <laughs> We've had to establish some boundaries. Sure. But, uh, um, it's very encouraging to see how engaged all of our young people are. They, they, they have a lot of concern about right. uh, the, the direction things are headed, probably more so than, than when I was a kid coming yeah. along. But uh, yeah, and, and they do want to talk about the issues. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they really do. And, and so to give them opportunity, uh, as I know that we strive to do here at, at Southeastern, is important. They value that. Um, I want to, uh, in fact, actually a follow-up. You mentioned boundaries, because I think that's an important thing. What, what does it mean to establish boundaries? I think that is such an important aspect of building healthy conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and and dialogue today uh, in in our nation. I mean, yeah, we saw it front and center in in a debate not too long ago. And uh, and you know how how do talk to me about those banners because that's that's important. Well, we. Um it's cliche, but the you know be able to uh, disagree without being disagreeable. We've had to settle on that and sure. and, and define that for ourselves uh, individually. But I think so much of it really comes down to our kids seeing what the, what we model to them. Right. And unfortunately, they are very frustrated to see uh, just the level of of just bitter partisanship among adults that frankly don't act like adults a lot of yeah. times. So uh, I think we we need to be modeling better as as the role models for our younger people. Yeah. So good. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. If you're a driven professional striving to expand your leadership and pack change at any level of your organization, Southeastern University's online master's degree in leadership is definitely for you. This program provides you the opportunity to learn in the context of entrepreneurship, nonprofit leadership, research, or organizational leadership. You can apply today at seu.edu slash apply. That's seu.edu slash apply. Dennis and Scott, I know you both are men of faith. Um, and in today's political arena, it seems at times that there is no... Um, 
no moral compass for navigating government and power. Uh, I know you both are men of integrity that lead from a place of deep conviction. How has your faith influenced your way of thinking in terms of the politics uh, that you engage in and um, in terms of the decisions that have to be made um, for this nation? How, how does that faith inform form you? Well, if I might, um, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with uh, for a long time is the building of my faith because I realize that uh, it, faith is just not something that you, you achieve one day and it's always there. It's something you have to work at. And it's something that as you work at it, you become stronger at it. It's like exercise. It's a discipline. And I've enjoyed building my faith. I've enjoyed uh, extending my, my relationships and, and learning more about other people's faith and how it's impacted their lives and helped them overcome obstacles and, and, and when they're down and when they're up to keep them in balance. You know, my faith has been probably one of the best things for me when it comes time to having to make decisions, especially as an elected official, because I know that I'm never going to please everybody, and that's okay. What I have to know is that I'm doing what has been foundational in my beliefs. Uh, when we talk about a moral compass, we have to also understand that, you know, you've got a, a world out there that, that seems to get further and further from uh Judeo-Christian values and and become more secular, and yet our founders uh, were very faith-based, uh, and and they were so faith-based that they wanted to preserve everybody's right to practice their own faith. And for me, my faith has been uh, the, the the foundation upon which I've made some decisions that it, that I found to be very difficult. But our time here is temporary anyway. Sure. And and to know that you're doing something that you firmly believe in, although it's difficult. I might not be able to make it right, but I know that I can do the right thing. Yeah. And that has been probably the best thing about my faith. That's good. So, well, my faith is, is clearly my azimuth. And um, I try to remind myself daily, anytime before we're going into any sort of political arena, whether it's a commission meeting or, or these campaign type events, that uh, I remember whose I am and um, that, that any decisions that we make or I'm a part of would be pleasing to God when it's all over with. And I kind of have a little mantra that I go through, and it's, it's breathe deep. Yeah. Assume positive intent and extend more grace than you expect in return. Wow. Uh, and I feel yeah. if we could go through a lot go of our meetings that. with sure. that sort of uh, philosophy, we'd get more done. That would be great. Have you, have you ever found, either one of you, have you ever found yourself caught between a rock and a hard place because of faith? And how, and how did you navigate that? Um, has there been in any moment at all during your, your tenure in, in, in public service? In, in some issues that I've taken on that I've had to be involved in, whether it be uh, dealing with right to life and, and limitations there, uh, you know, t those that were uh, a more purist uh, in, in, in their opinions would say this isn't good enough, but it's better than what we have. And you have to wrestle with that. Is better than what we have good? Uh, yes. Now, you know, we've, we've got to keep moving the ball forward. And, and while you can't get everything you want, which is one of the most difficult things about right. being in the political yeah. world, because you do have to compromise, you have to reach consensus, as long as you're getting closer to where you know you need to be as an individual and as a nation, I think you're doing the right things. And while those are difficult decisions, um, it, it does give you some solace to know that you're advancing what you, to believe, what, you to be, what you believe to be your Christian cause and values. Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, I do struggle with some of those issues as well, and and there are places that within my own faith are non-negotiable. But I also recognize as a as a um, a government servant, 
I'm still bound by, whether it's the Constitution right. or, or the, the laws that we have, and we can try to fight for change, but um, it's, it's chipping away a bit yeah. at a time. Yeah. Scott, you're running um, for election to the U.S. House, uh, you know, Florida's 15th congressional district. This is the same uh, congressional district that former Congressman Ross served in. As you're approaching this election, uh, which is going to happen here pretty soon, November 3rd, uh, what are some of the issues that you think we need to um, really focus on, take care of? Uh, what, what, what do you want to fight for as you potentially step into this public office? What, what will be the priority? Well, first priority, and it wouldn't have been on my radar screen at the beginning of the year, is getting our country back to work. Mm -hmm. And none of us anticipated, you know, being at, in the midst of the best economy we'd ever had as a country to be where we are, but we're, we're making progress on that. So that's first and foremost. Uh, next would be, um, well, gosh, there's a number of different areas. We've got to solve some very difficult problems that, that we need to figure out a way to put the political football aside and, and fix health care. We need to address immigration issues. Um, we need to attack our spending. You know, we've, we've added to our debt this year in ways that will come home to roost, for, whether it's for my kids or grandkids. At some point, we're going to have to pay the piper. And then we have some, some of our safety net programs that really need some fundamental um, corrections to them if they're going to be sustainable for the long run. But it's just very hard to get in that arena and get people to, to take their, their party persuasions off and, and settle down and fix problems. In, in your opinion, what, uh, what will be the biggest challenge to create solutions to these issues and, and uh, priorities that, that are going to be important? Well, it'd be easier. I, I, can, I can make assumptions, but I know it would come better from one who's been there. I just think trying to get through the partisan divide, and that's why I, as a veteran, I'm encouraged to see a lot more veterans uh, being uh, led to, to seek higher office. I know right now we've got the biggest slate of veteran candidates from both the Republican and the Democrat side and, and generations, and we need that. I, I think um, you know, we're, we have the lowest number of veterans serving in Congress ever. And there's a lot of dissatisfaction from the public. So hopefully that, that ability to work together, uh, as we learned in the military, will help us there in Congress. Yeah. And, and, and Dennis, I, I, yeah, I, I want to ask you, how do we get through that? I mean, you're doing a, and by the way, uh, also a part of the SCU Podcast Network, you're doing a brand new podcast that's going to be airing here soon. And, and um, I mean, you've worked behind the scenes. What does it take? to truly break through and, and reach across the aisle and truly have consensus. There's a biblical principle, oh, yeah. let us come and reason together so that we can make the right decisions that will benefit everybody. How do you, how do you really do that? You build relationships. You find out that the person that is abjectly against you philosophically and politically is just like you as an individual. They want the same things for their family. They want to see a greater nation. And you find that there's commonality in your passions, yet there's a different direction by which you want to achieve those goals. And one of the things we're doing at the ACPL, and one of the things I'd love to see us do as a, as a, as a nation, is learn how to effectuate good conversation that's controversial but yet respectful. Uh, I know that I've got about as much chance changing one of my liberal friends' mind as they do me. But that doesn't mean I can't become good friends with them. On our podcast that we're going to be doing, I've got some dear friends that are way across the aisle from me politically, but have become very close to me as, as, as good, good friends. And, and I think one of the, 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 the things, once you leave the process, you look back and say, goodness, 
You know, why didn't I reach out more often? Why didn't I understand that in order to build a good piece of legislation, that it couldn't be all one-sided, that no one party has a monopoly on all the ideas, that good ideas come from both sides. And that only happens if you build those relationships. Yeah. Rich. As we close our time together, a couple questions. There are some citizens in our country that uh, choose not to exercise their right to vote. They say that their vote actually is not going to make a difference. So why should I uh, go out there and do that? What would your response be to these citizens who are choosing just to sit back on the sideline because they don't think it's really going to count? If I might address that, first of all, first of all, not to vote is as impactful as voting sure. because you're empowering one of the other two candidates by not voting. Uh, second of all, I think you're, you're, you're doing a total disservice to your citizenship, uh, which requires you to be actively engaged in this process. You may be disgusted with the people. But the only way you're going to change that is by asserting your right to vote so that as a consumer, you will change the product that you want to see that will accommodate you. That The more we get involved, the more we vote, the better we mold the candidates we want to see and have the leadership that's necessary to effectuate the positive change that we want to see in this nation. It pains me to see that people sit at home and make up every excuse about not wanting to vote. And, you know, it's one of the most fundamental rights. It's the only right that we have to exercise that can absolutely, if not exercise, take away all the other rights. And so that's why we've got to make sure that we don't lose our right, that we continue to exercise that right to vote. Yeah. Scott? It's our fundamental right. I mean, they're really all, all other rights we have as Americans start there. And, uh, you know, there's no room to complain if we don't participate. And some, somewhere out across this country, there will be races that will be decided by such slim margins that the people who sat back and didn't vote would have made the difference. Yeah. We're, we're about to hit probably the most uh, divisive election we've ever had um, or in quite some time. Uh, what do you think the catalyst will be, no matter the outcome? Um, to bring healing to this nation? Well, it has to start with each individual knowing that they are the agents of change to make this nation better than it was. Otherwise, it will be a cataclysmic event that brings us together, and I don't want to see that happen. Whether it be another 9-11, or whether it be a natural disaster, whether it be an economic collapse, those types of things bring us together involuntarily. But if we were to open our eyes and see that we can be those agents of change, uh, that it's not about partisanship, but it's about patriotism, and it's about being part of a nation that has a history unlike any known to mankind, and the potential out there for continued success and sustainability is amazing. But it has to be each one of us. It, it, it's the same way of having faith. It's a discipline. It, you exercise it every day of your life, and eventually we get there. Yeah. I agree. When we look back through our nation's history, the times that we've come together the greatest have been the times, you know, following the greatest calamities. And I think, you know, initiatives like Southeastern's doing here with this school, getting civics back into the classroom yes. and making people understand teaching that, because sadly, a lot of people just don't have that fundamental knowledge. Yeah. And that's what we're striving to do, uh, make it evident how important uh, their participation is. Absolutely. Uh, Dennis served in the seat that you are uh, vying for for eight years 
Dennis, any parting advice to Scott as he heads into the closing weeks of this? Well, let me preface my comments by saying I'm glad I'm not running against him. <laughs> uh, and I, I, let me just talk because I want I want to make this clear. At the ACPL, we try not to dabble in policy. We look at process. And one of the things we focus on on process is what would you want in the qualities of your leader? What would you want in a person who would ex- exemplify those characteristics of statesmanship? And I can tell you that Scott does that. I won't, I won't address any of his policies. That's for him to do in his campaign. But as an individual who has shown the qualities of leadership, not just in his campaign, but also as a father, as a businessman, as a patriot uh, veteran of the United States Navy, uh, those are the qualities we need to see in people. Yeah. And, and I don't care if they're left, right, or in the middle. That's what we want to see. And so I, I, I just encourage you to continue the track you're on. I think that it will benefit not only you, but a, a very good nation. Well, thank you. Well, Scott and Dennis, I, I want to thank you both for uh, joining me today on the Framework Leadership Podcast. I'm thankful for the insight that you bring uh, our community, a, a tremendous value. Uh, and uh, the way that we need to, to be involved in, in uh, civics is so important. For all of our listeners, I hope that you leave this conversation uh, today with a desire to be involved and make a difference in the things going on in our nation. Whether you believe it or not, uh, the people that we elect into public office actually make a difference in this nation. Uh, Do some research. Go out to the polls on November 3rd to make your voice heard. We will see you next time on Framework Leadership.